It's Monday the 3rd of June 2019. My name's Alex Elliott and you're listening to The Week in Iceland, the programme that asks what's been happening in Iceland this week, why it happened and why we should care. I'm joined this week by Tatiana Latinovich, the chair of the Icelandic Women's Rights Association and of the Immigration Council, and also by the actor, presenter and head of the Icelandic Eurovision delegation, Felix Bergson. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Thank you. Now, it's been a busy old week in the news. Uh, for example, there's a new group of quota refugees who are currently settling into Blundos in the north, and Gardabair and Seltjarnes have announced they will also welcome refugees this autumn. Five Russian-speaking tourists, now being described as social media stars, did significant damage off-roading and getting stuck in the Mivat area this weekend. Off-roading, of course, already a significant problem in Iceland. Uh, the public and private sectors have formally come together to form a climate change working group. The third energy package, God help us, has still not passed Althinki, and the debate is on hold while other hopefully easier laws are passed. The economic downturn, meanwhile, this year could see the Treasury down by 35 billion kroner, and tourism is thought to be the leading cause. On that subject, despite Huawei's failure, Delta has announced they will not be flying to Iceland over the winter months, and Iceland Air cannot increase its seat provision because its Boeing 737 MAX 8 jets remain grounded along with all others of that type in the world. As no date has been set for getting them back in the air again, the airline has actually made the plane's pilots redundant this week, just to add to the problem. Iceland's relations with Israel and Palestine remain in the news, thanks to some special in-depth coverage of the issue recorded by Ruf journalists on the ground there. And finally, yesterday was Siemens Day in Iceland, with all the celebration and commemorations that entails. So, uh, bearing in mind we probably won't get through all of those topics, where would you both like to begin? <laughs> Plenty <Not> there. <laughs> Shall we start on the positive notes? It doesn't really look like you have gathered a lot of positive uh, news from last <laughs> week. But uh, let's just start with the with, uh, refugees settling mm. in, in Blundus and yeah. hopefully Gardaba and Seltinanes and other places in the country. I'm especially happy to hear that people are going to Blundus because... Uh, Back in 1998, and I just finished the uh, Icelandic for foreign students here, mm-hmm. I was hired to teach Icelandic in Blondos to group of refugees that came from my former, from my home country, former Yugoslavia. Mm-hmm. So I have really warm uh, memories of my time in Blondos mm-hmm. and, and them. So I, I think it is a great, it is great how um, how the municipalities around the country have taken uh, positively mm. uh, to to accepting uh, people coming here in need and, and I wish them all the best whether they stay in Blundos, Kvamstange or wherever. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I think that's the basis to uh, this being a success that the municip- municipalities do this uh, professionally and well and, and, and welcome people in a, in a way that will, you know, get them off to a good start in a new community. So uh, it's very, you know, I have I have very good ties with Blundos as well. I used to live there as a child. My father was a headmaster in the school there mm-hmm. for a few years so I, I really like the place as well so I'm, I'm, I really hope these people are gonna find a good life in in the north of Iceland they probably the the weather will be weather will be an obstacle <laughs> it will be it will be a change I think from where they're coming yeah. from but uh, I just hope that this is and it is a shock it is a shock whenever you move into a new country where beat you know Mm-hmm. On your free by free will or, or or for whatever reason you go, so there is this first period that you're actually just you know 
like like a zombie <laughs> thing. Do you, do you have a personal involvement in these particular cases? Not in the refugees, no. No, no, no. no not in uh, refugees. Are there is a special uh, a, a committee for refugees in in the Ministry of Welfare. But nevertheless, you know, you once you move to the country, you're no longer a refugee. You are just you're an immigrant, mm-hmm. or or you are just a. a Citizen, not not a citizen, but you just live in resident, the country, no, resident yeah. of the country. So I, I always, you know, I, I, I would always like people just to forget this stamp of refugee yeah. as quickly as they can, because this is only a temporary. Mm-hmm. Status and people are people. I mean, people at the end of the day, and, and they, with with yeah. all, everything that comes with it. Exactly. So, in in immigration council, in the policies that we are working, and obviously, a lot of it, well, everything should really apply also to people that come here as re- refugees, because it should apply to, to everyone, regardless of the reason why they are coming here. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. When it comes to the municipalities themselves, I mean, we've heard um, municipalities like Akureyri have taken uh, a quota of refugees, obviously, in, in, in Kramstanki, Blundos, Seltjernanes, uh, Gadabed. Mm-hmm. But it's the government that takes the decision to take the quota of refugees, isn't it? Yes. So if these other smaller municipalities are not taking them, what then? Would they just all end up in Reykjavik or how does that work? Do we know? I believe that the government, the Ministry of Welfare, uh, advertises mm. or asks for interest in municipalities uh, that, that would like to to uh, take on the group. And I, now I don't know, but I don't think that it has ever been a problem that there were nobody wanted to take them. It's mm. not. A, it's really not a big group. Mm. It's just like it yeah. could be like fifteen, twenty people. Come on, you know, everybody can take that uh, and so I don't think that this has been an issue but Reykjavik has also take, uh, accepted uh, a lot of refugees yeah. And Blontos has been uh, these municipalities of course are trying to build themselves up and they need people so it's mm-hmm. I think that's that's uh, it's a win-win situation mm. I think so, I think that people look at it that way mm. Maybe we should move on to a different topic Yes, I think seems to have wound up quite nicely mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the economic downturn is the big mm-hmm. big thing in the oh, news these days, days. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. well, mm-hmm. it's. Uh, I think it was something to be expected. I mean, Iceland is. I mean, as you know, it's like a cork on the high sea when it comes to to economics, and uh, yes. and we don't need a lot for things to 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 take a, a sharp downturn or or or, or the other way. Mm-hmm. Can um, I just interrupt for a second there? Yeah. What seems to be different this time, as far as I can tell, is that this is not linked to a global downturn. This is purely an Icelandic one this time, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think it has to do with uh, the incredible growth of the tourism industry and uh, and uh, the, the fact that, uh, that everything became so expensive. The word, the, the word uh, went out that Iceland was becoming too expensive and then, you know, tourists stopped to come. I mean, but um, I also think it's, in a way, uh, quite healthy for everybody to take a little, you know, to take a little breather and maybe um, take a step back and 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 look at the whole thing in a in a the broader picture, mm-hmm. because I think uh, it's been we've been running too fast for since since 2010, and um, and I think it's, it's I think I hope it will be healthy for the tourism industry and for for Iceland as a community to 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 look at these things, but the other thing that happened also was there there's problems with the fishing industry. Um, I don't know what Lodhana is called in English. Uh, Caplin. 
Capelin, yes, mm. there was a, so uh, that that was a huge that was a huge blow to the fishing industry that the the Capelin uh, didn't turn up this year, uh, probably connected with global warming, but uh, it will be uh, well hopefully it will come back and we'll we'll see. But that's that's also a factor in this in this economic downturn. Mm. But it is very, very interesting to see how uh, many factors come together. Of course, it's the it's the uh, it's the crash of Wow uh, Airlines. It is the fact that uh, Iceland Air couldn't take in all the airplanes that they were supposed to take with the Boeing Max problems, and uh, and then uh, obviously there is uh, uh, less interest and more more airlines are just you know pulling away. Mm-hmm. So it will be very interesting to see how it all how it all turns out. But it seems that uh, uh, the government and the, and everybody is in uh, is in a good place. We're not in a in a in a bad place like in in two thousand and eight. No, I mean government debt is is pretty low at the moment. Exactly, so they're able to yeah ride the storm. Hopefully, yeah. And and you see, you know, like now when you're talking and and from your intro, you see how this all really connects together. The tourism, the, this rise of tourism and the, the tremendous growth that you haven't seen in other countries, I think. We have to do everything, you know. We have to be best in everything. We have to make our growth is <laughs> exactly. the best. And, 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 but, uh, but then I think, as, as you mentioned, Felix, I think it's good that we have like a cooling period because it does have, uh, it does influence everything and environmental issues and... and, and uh, exactly. And uh, it's good to regroup, restock, and I hope that the government is not only uh, obviously responding, being reactive to the situation, but also being proactive, looking what else can we do. I know that there are a lot of like uh, thought put into like the developmental issues, like how, how we are going to, what are we going to do with the tourism, or how are we going to develop it? Are we going to be, you know, Canary Island or the North, or are we going to do, to do something else? I, exactly. I think that we should do something else. Mm-hmm. I think that we just do not have infrastructure to have a mass tourism here, like like uh, many would want. Mm. Uh, but it also has, you know, it brings it, it brings this environmental issue that we we you know. We really everybody needs to think about it ties into into you know the economy ties into the refugee crisis like ties into feminism everything you yeah, know? so exactly. so I, I yeah i'm I'm pretty optimistic these days about it it's not the crisis of two thousand eight no we are I facing think, now I think also I mean we are always going to have we are always going to be expensive I mean the corona it's going to make everything expensive here. That's you know the the the, the fact that the currency is so is so unreliable. So it it will always be um, yeah there will there will be fluctuations all the time. So I think uh, you know I, people know better than me about what where we should aim for for in in future with our tourism. But I th- I think we're always going to be a, an expensive country to visit, and we should aim for that kind of gender of mm-hmm. uh, of of mm-hmm. tourists you know in the, but you know talking about the you know then we have these problems like they had in Mivatna with the people driving off road and 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 you know these these with with more tourists you get more of these kind of problems and and um, this is definitely something that needs to be dealt with how are you going to stop these things from happening i mean iceland is famous for being you know the wild 
the wild country, but uh, at the same time, you want people to behave and to 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 uh, honor the rules and and take mm-hmm. care of nature. But mm-hmm. um, maybe this cooling period will help us to 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 find ways to to make that happen. Yeah, strengthen the infrastructure and policies, and just I don't know control of people that come here. Mm-hmm. Totally. When you're looking at massive growth every single year, it's almost like you can you can get away with selling rubbish. <laughs> and having a, a, a leaner, fitter tourism industry is going to be exactly. a, a good thing. Yeah, yeah I, I think so. At the end of the day, but there will be there will be growing pains definitely with yeah. this. And I mean, uh, a one percent or a plus one percent downturn will be will be will hurt a lot of people. And I think um, a lot of the uh, the foreign workers coming to Iceland will feel it. I think it will be felt mostly in those in those uh, areas. Yeah, it just makes you think that you know how careful we need to be with all our resources with nature with people with you know mm. with tourists totally. you know they will not come like a lodna or what would you say the, exactly the, 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 cape plain you yeah. know cape comes and goes i, mean, I may be pronouncing come, that wrong but yeah <laughs> <laughs> tourists come and go but you really have to be mindful of that and now that you mentioned the the foreign workers uh, uh, i know that you didn't mention it here but but last year we saw vc you know that the, there were some uh, petrol stations were were sort of Asking people kindly to be polite to the stuff that exactly. doesn't speak exactly. uh, Icelandic, yeah. it just breaks my heart to see that. Yeah. Because the, the, the encouragement and, and, and the goodwill of people speaking Icelandic to those that are starting to learn Icelandic is really, I think, the key issue in, in, in people willing to to adjust here and, and, and speak Icelandic. So exactly. I sort of imagine that these people working at petrol stations have just, you know, Landing in Keplavik two weeks ago and started working <laughs> immediately. Honestly, you yeah, know, exactly. so, so you know, it also loses. Obviously, it loses a little bit of it of the charm, the country when nobody speaks Icelandic. If you come as a tourism, mm. and, and and you don't see anyone speaking Icelandic, so you know, that's also maybe a wake up call for the companies and for tour, uh, you know, stores and and, and restaurants. To always have someone speaking Icelandic exactly. at the place yeah. and that would guide the others then you know, and, and front. I think it's partly a, a problem that's perpetuated itself as the, the 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 companies have been putting signs up in English all over the place and mm-hmm. they haven't they haven't emphasised the language because it hasn't seemed perhaps important to them. But maybe it should be more important. Yeah, exactly. And maybe yeah, the company should help. Help yeah. their their staff to, to 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 deal with things like that. Yeah, and it's a part of the charm. I mean, I understand that if you go to a country, you want you don't want to hear English all the time unless you're in English speaking country. But you want to sort of see the local life. And, uh, Definitely. And the the employers and unions and 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 other organisations can do a lot to help people learn Icelandic, and they do. But not not everybody knows about these <laughs> yeah exactly um, options they have totally mm-hmm. and i mean and, and not everybody's interested i mean that's that's for sure i mean we know <laughs> we know the stories of icelanders moving to denmark and and just yeah. settling in small communities and, and not speaking a word of danish when they move back to iceland but you know yeah. so it's, uh, people are people are always people i mean that's you know and mm. and and, and uh, that's no different here in iceland than anywhere else and i think that majority of people working at this in tourism are young people that yeah. come here for fun you know totally. a few months and yeah. and i mean you have in other countries that as well you know so so 
And also, mm-hmm. I mean, that's yeah, that's an, uh, another thing that Icelanders must keep in mind as well that that that, that these are often, uh, like I said, young people or people who are not stopping for very long. They are uh, great value to our economy, and they, you know, and they are being exploited. But at the, so at the same time, you know, why are we? forcing them to learn the language in, in a few months. I mean, that's, you know, that's also, that's, I think that's quite rude. If they're not going to stay, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think being nice to them, is positive, increases the chances of them wanting to stay here. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Also that's a true. good point, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. But the, the Siemens Day uh, yesterday is was a... Um, a stark reminder of of uh, how Iceland was built and what what Iceland is built on, and uh, uh, and I'm very happy that we still celebrate that day and remember where we come from and uh, what we still what is still our basis uh, to the existence here on this island. So it, I was in Grindavik and it was great oh, yeah. fun, very nice to be with people there and and uh, to see how multicultural that society has become. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, there were. There were so many languages being spoken just when I was standing in the crowd of people. It was very, very interesting. And was that all mostly people that live and work in the fishing industry in Grindelwald? I think so. Yes, mostly. I think that was, you know, that was a very. It was a very localized, uh, localized festival. They have many visitors coming, of course, to the town, but but that that was a very localized festival. Yeah, Mm. Siemens Day is a great, exactly great thing. I I I also I I love it. I just really it, it. I think it brings you back in time. I mean, I've only lived here for 25 years, but, yeah. but you really have... Uh, it's a nice tradition, especially yeah. in the smaller... Uh, I mean, Reykjavik is nice, but the smaller fisher, fishing villages are really... It's, it's a beautiful thing. It's a reality mm-hmm. check for everybody to go mm-hmm. and, and see the people who are really doing the groundwork somehow. Mm-hmm. And what was also very nice there yesterday is that they do the, the traditional things. They, uh, they, they, they award some people for their work through, their, through the years and things like that. But then the, the main speaker was there. And uh, yesterday it was Eliza Reed, our first lady, who was, okay. who was the speaker. And it was absolutely wonderful to have her there. Uh, talking about this this heritage and, and doing it really well, mm-hmm. very very well done. Could you illuminate a little bit of the history and culture of Siemens Day, if you know it, like like why it exists? Well, I mean, uh, it was uh, the day off <laughs> for fishermen around mm-hmm. the country, uh, and it slowly just grew, I think. Uh, but it was a it was a. a, a a legalized day off for fishermen where they came uh, to shore and uh, and had their festival. Mm. And so, it still is today, isn't it? And it still is today, mm-hmm. yes. Well, uh, most falls of them. on Sunday, doesn't it? Yes, yeah, always totally Sunday. Sunday. And uh, and uh, since I've been going around and entertaining and 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 doing uh, you know kind of uh, gigs all over the country for years, I've this this day has always been a big day. And uh, you're being invited to come and, and, and work in Olafsfjörður or Dalvik or all these kind of uh, small uh, fishing villages all over the country, and and um, and it's been uh, and it's it's very nice to to go and and and, and celebrate. Uh, it used to be more rowdy, <laughs> but uh, uh, nowadays it's more um, family a family event, I believe. And uh, in most in most of the small small villages, and now that uh, women are becoming stronger, also uh, in the fishing in the fishing industry, it's 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 not so it's not so male dominated anymore as it used to be. Mm. There's a lot about um, tug of war competitions and and 
rowing races and things. Three, yeah, yeah, and still is. But like here in Reykjavik, they are, there's lots of girls taking part now in, in, in all these kind of competitions as well. Yes. Yeah, there was a picture in both in Markumblad and in Shretablad yeah. today. I think the girl in kicking a huge reduction of yeah. the <laughs> plank <laughs> in a pillow fight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Great fun. Yeah. Okay. Maybe um, we have time for another topic. Yes. Where are we? We've we've been rattling through these kind of quite naturally. Yes. Yeah. Almost don't need a presenter. No, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, well, that's the. Mm. Well, I think the. Um, I've been I've been very stuck in the uh, in the Eurovision world after after uh, after Eurovision. Mm. Uh, still coming down. It's we call it this uh, the the PED the post Eurovision <laughs> depression <laughs> that we're, we're going through now. But uh, when because uh, everything was Eurovision is a bubble and you get stuck in that bubble and then suddenly it bursts at the end of the end of the party. And this but, wasn't your first party. How was how did Israel compare? It was fantastic. It was really one of the yeah I would say top five ever. I think Eurovision. It was a really really well done show. And um, the broadcaster Khan in Israel really did a great job. And uh, not many people know that they have, don't have a lot of support from the government. They are in constant fight with Netanyahu for money, <laughs> so they took a huge loan to to be able to do to host this event, and it's going to take them some fifteen years to pay that back. So that's a that's a that was a quite a task that they took on, and they did really really well. But um, when you host an event like Eurovision, you try to promote your country in the in the most positive light, and we will do that the day we we host Eurovision. We will have a lot of pictures of beautiful landscapes and 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 glaciers and 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 all that stuff. But at the same time, you the the, the other things come with it, and uh, the more negative uh, parts of of of, uh, of life in your country. And that's what happened as well. And uh, the Palestine issue has been raised quite, uh, quite a lot all over the world since since this was happening in Israel. And uh, and uh, I think that's good in a way. And I, I, I and and that's what uh, these news that we are now experiencing at Roof.is uh, are meant to meant to do. I mean, they are meant to tell us more about the, the history of the country since we are since we are there. And uh, the history of the conflict, and it's it's been it's been very interesting. And I think I think it's positive that, that these these voices are heard as well. Yeah, I I, I know few Israelis, not not many, but but the, the people I know know that they're very unhappy and sad about the situation, political situation, mm-hmm. and 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 uh, a Palestinian issue. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I hate to see it put like black and white. Yes, exactly. Uh, I, um, and uh, I really say kudos to Ruv to sending a journalist there, Ben Malquist, and 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 doing something with it, and and mm. sort of uh, bringing uh, issues to light. I mean, we always hear about. Unfortunately, we always hear about. We've been hearing about the Palestinian issue for forty years, and and. Uh, there are people there they don't know anything else yeah, which is very sad mm-hmm. I come from the war-torn country where the war was like two, three years and people are still feeling the having yeah. scars uh, after after that yeah. and, and so this is just a horrible horrible life to, to, to live but on the other hand 
And I was I I wasn't sure what to think when Israel won. I have to uh, be honest, be honest with you. And I wasn't sure that we should send a delegation there. Mm-hmm. And I'm still not sure. I don't know. I don't have a strong opinion. But I'm, I'm sort of glad how we managed to work around that situation and bring issues to light that yes. should be sort of looked at and and people should know about it. I just hope that. You know, people don't put it always in black and white. And, you so know, you're okay. pro-Israeli, you're pro-Palestinian. I mean, these are people living exactly. there door yeah, to yeah. door, you know. Totally. Yeah. Uh, Björn Malmquist is a very good foreign correspondent. And he was sent, he's been on this show and he was sent out to send, um, to cover Eurovision. But, of yeah. course, more than that. Is it an unusual decision to send someone like you? Yes, it is. And we have we have not really seen that happening with Eurovision before. I mean, we were even in, in Ukraine and we didn't have any... any uh, and if anybody from the newsroom coming with us there, that would have been very interesting to have somebody with us there as well. Mm. But um, um, but there was a lot of uh, protest against Iceland uh, taking part in Eurovision in Israel. Um, I believe we should. I, I always believe that we should keep the lines open, that we should be... And uh, Eurovision is supposed to be a, a non-political event. Eurovision is an event where... Uh, the people of Europe get one evening uh, every year where they are uh, supposed to be free of politics, where they are supposed to be free of the, 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 the daily uh, troubles that we see in the news, every the, the, the things that we've been discussing in this program. They should just uh, be, be able to, to have fun and uh, sing their songs together and find some kind of togetherness. I mean, it's, it is a very... It's a very important part of the European project in many ways and and, and um, human rights project. Uh, and I think it's very interesting. I mean, it's very important to have all the, the Baltic states there, you know, the, the former Yugoslavian states there singing together and kind of at least coming together in this, you know. In, Talk about in, politics. They I, always vote for each other. Exactly. I remember when I moved here, people were like, why are you never giving us anything, you know, <laughs> you know. This is the same language, a similar sort of style of music, and people just listen to it more. Exactly, and, so, and yeah. often, often big stars in these countries yeah. that you don't really know about. That you know, yeah. there are big, big stars in the in the east. No, so I really believe that we should take part. I mean, in the same way that I thought that we should send uh, athletes to 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 China for the Olympics. Of course, these lines should be kept open, and and this should be. Um, uh, uh, we we should honor our agreement that we are taking part in Eurovision, and um, and that, that that's the reason. But at the same time, it's great that we managed to to raise some discussion and and educate people and tell people what's going on in the country, mm. and that's exactly what happened there. There was huge media interest in Iceland. I have never seen anything like it. Everybody sent journalists over there. Uh, there was a lot of social media, of course, and then, of course, there was Morkomblad was there, and Fretablad was there, Visir was there, all the, you know, uh, kind of all the main newsrooms sent people there. So uh, we had a lot of coverage uh, during these 17 days that we stayed in, stayed in Tel Aviv. Um, and Hatari, of course, had their own agenda. Uh, and, uh, you know, people can then argue if that was if that, that was a time and a place, but they at least put the, the issues on, uh, you know. Uh, what, what do you make of the argument that they were a proxy for Iceland's foreign policy towards Israel and that wittingly or unwittingly they were doing what Iceland does on a national level? I think it was very, very interesting. It was a very interesting <laughs> interesting point. Um, 
I mean, they they come from the diplomatic world in many ways. I mean, they are they are sons and and uh, and daughter-in-laws of uh, of diplomats, and um, so they are they know the world quite well. I mean, they they are educated in international schools and stuff like that. So they are not they are not stupid people, mm-hmm. but uh, we can argue endlessly about you know. Uh, if the platform was the right platform, but at least you know, at least they managed to to raise a lot of questions, and they got the interest of the biggest media in the world. I mean, CNN, The Guardian, BBC, uh, HBO, all these big. You know, I mean, they were all after them. We had to say no to so many uh, interesting media because we just didn't have time to to. But they definitely put this, and everybody was interested because they knew. What their uh, what their piece of art was about? It was an anti-fascist, anti-capitalist uh, piece of art, mm. and uh, and so the so the the song itself really, in my opinion, spoke for itself, and uh, it was a very it was a very interesting mm. time, a very interesting two weeks in Tel Aviv. But doesn't this argument come from maybe from? From countries where maybe there is more, the government has more influence on on, on freedom of speech. Mm-hmm. Everything obviously they they come from a different country. I don't I don't see that they are like you know uh, representing the government here. They just have you know the freedom of speech and the right the right to speak. And it reminds me of when when the president of Iceland Gudni said that. Uh, he would ban uh, pineapple, pineapple pizza, pizza, you know, and then people like, oh, you know, and and he said, you know, I wouldn't want to be a president in a country where a president can ban pineapple on pizza. You exactly. Know, yeah. Amen. I I wasn't saying that Hatteri were representing the government, but that maybe they they had the same message, whether or not they knew they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, I think yeah. that this is a uh, this argument comes maybe I, I don't know from from people that. Uh, Either come from the countries where you know government can more influence what 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 the artist is doing, artist is doing, or or you know that could well be, or or people they just don't know how democracy works really. Well, um, I'm sorry to say it, but we're actually out of time. Oh my! It goes so quickly. Thanks to uh, two national holidays coming up and a scheduling issue, we'll have to learn to live without the week in Iceland for a while. It will return to roof.is forward slash English, Roof English on Facebook, to the Roof app and as a podcast on Monday the 1st of July. For now, though, it's thanks to my guests, Tatiana Latinovich and Felix Bergson, as well as to Lydia Gretasdottir for running the studio. The number one song on the Raustour chart that will play us out this week is of Monsters and Men with their new song, Alligator. Bye for now. <laughs>